Welcome to Everyone Sucks Here. Hello. Uh, I'm Jerome. I'm Brian. And we're here to... Oh, are we here to radicalize? We're here to radicalize. Yeah. And inform. Yeah. Uh, but in a fun way. In a fun way. It's and, fun. It's cute. And Pro- it's propaganda, but cute. Right. Yeah. Right, right. Oh, that's cute. We yeah. should... That's fun. See, already I'm excited. That's what's excited about being an artist in a time of revolution is that you can sort of choose to radicalize in a cute way. It makes it easier for people to pick up or whatever without being like disrespectful to anything, obviously. It's true. It also makes it broadly accessible. Yeah. yeah. Oh, geez. Look, I'm just bouncing out. Brian has a whole ass like college syllabus ahead of us. I did so research. I know that we're going to get to that, but I'm going to let my brain just go places for the moment. Uh, sort of like, uh, let's catch up. Yeah, since since the last time that we talked. Yeah, which has it's been a been while. about a month, right? Yeah. A little over a month. I had to go out of town and do my capitalism for the year. So. Right, yeah. right, right. That we we have to participate in, unfortunately. Yes. Um, but there's still better ways of doing it. Just because we have to exist in the world as it is doesn't mean you know we can't organize and fight for a better one. That's right. You know, you okay. Gotta, everybody gotta live. All right. So catch us up. All right. Recap. So I think. Wait, wait, wait. What? Do it in, in a 1920s newscaster voice, though. That, I was thinking the exact same thing. It's the best way to do all recaps. Okay. So let me, let me get into character. <clears throat> it's like, Dateline, the world on fire. New social unrest in the United States has emerged after several incidents and encounters with the police in Portland. D.C., okay. all over the fucking place. Okay. So, so what does that mean? What, do you, what, what is that? Uh, so the thing happening in Portland right now uh, in relation to this like social unrest that's kind of like got everybody really alarmed mm-hmm. is uh, the arrival of um, some form of secret police, which is basically unmarked federal police who are picking up protesters without charge, mm-hmm. uh, taking them to undisclosed locations, uh, much to the stress and dismay of their comrades. So it's been really alarming. Um, okay, and so I saw you posted something about the fact that, ooh, and this is coming for your faves again, but who signed this in, and like, how, how did this thing come to, to be? Barack Obama signed it into law in 2011. It was originally drafted uh, as a potential piece of legislation by a Bush administration lawyer back in like 2002, I think, but it was never pushed through. Mm-hmm. Obama signed it into effect in, in 2011, and uh, now Trump is using it. Now, what would have been his like reasoning for for signing something like that? What is like were they twisting his arm to, to get it done? Was this like a compromise? Do you think? Or no, like... I think uh, I think honestly, Barack Obama was just looking out for the interests of the empire, which is what you know an American president is supposed to do. Mm. So he, you know, he probably, you know, he was a smart guy. Uh, I don't want to get that twisted at all. He's an incredibly capable leader and politician, and I think that he maybe saw the potential for uh, social unrest in reaction to some crisis that capitalism might produce as it's prone to do mm. uh, and was just like well th- things are going to get worse probably looking at like you know climate change down the line too what yeah. well, well people are, like too hot so they're just going to start like smashing shit up and we got to arrest them like yeah man if it's too hot and you can't like for example grow food where you live <gasps> i just started growing stuff what are you talking about yeah well no. if it's too hot it's gonna kill all your little plants don't say that so imagine that happening in like a massive scale right so i mean these kind of things and like you know we have mass migrations of immigrants from from various parts of the world who are mm. fleeing kind of like frozen conflicts and all that kind of stuff and i really do think that you know this everybody recognized maybe the urgency of these coming crises like even going back as far as like clinton Oh, shit. Uh, but Barack Obama knew that it was probably like right around the corner 
and you know probably with some nudging from people in the CIA mm-hmm. and people in the uh, Joint Chiefs of Staff of the Pentagon was like we're going to need this. So basically, the law that he signed uh, expanded some of the the powers that Bush used against what he called uh, foreign combatants within the United States. So people that were was like, that just like an early version of terrorists? Yes. That everybody well, was it, it was it was terrorists, right? Okay. So like it was the idea that like people are here on like visas, they're not American citizens, and they could be potentially like you know training for some terrorist operation mm-hmm. so uh bush created this like legal loophole for them where they could be like indefinitely detained without charge so i'm sure i'm sure during like you know 9 11 time we were loving the uh, fucking oh idea yeah shit, they you know? snatch people up left and right we just send them to guantanamo and just leave them there until even, they can put something together even on like 30 rock there's a joke where like, liz lemon calls yes. the fucking cops or calls somebody on her neighbor just because she suspects something and then like he's gone yeah it's curious how uh, culture kind of reflects those sort of things back at you almost as if to normalize them somehow. oh my gosh yeah. yikes I, I i'm having like real-time epiphany and stuff like that okay. right okay so so moving on what else is happening in the news have we arrested the cops that have killed brianna Taylor? nope Nope. Nope. Still haven't. Still haven't. Nope. Um, and why not? Obviously, right? But yeah, why I, the fuck not? Who the fuck knows? Probably depends on the the local mayor of Louisville and uh, the police chief there and whatever fucking pressure that they're applying via police unions or anything like that. Or they can just they could just honestly probably feel like they can get away with ignoring them for long enough. You know? Hell, they say it was tied to gentrification. There was a memo that leaked, right? So that Brianna Taylor was uh, living in this housing complex that was like. Um, undesirable right so this uh real estate developing condo kind of company all those like sort of companies that you see putting up those atrocities Mm -hmm. here Mm -hmm. they are uh they they wanted to push out some of the undesirable elements of that quote unquote you know what they really mean is like black people or like poor people Mm -hmm. uh so they were relying on like cis and sort of like less than scrupulous informants to like, they thought they were going to Breonna Taylor's house because they thought she was involved in the drug trade. Mm-hmm. And they actually got the wrong apartment when they kicked in, which shut, the police shut, do shut, shut a up. whole lot. Shut the fuck up. No. <laughs> that's, uh, that's one... The police, the police actually fucking suck at their job. They, they go to the wrong place, like, more often than you'd fucking think, and often with, like, lethal consequences, which is unfortunately what happened to Breonna Taylor. Can I get a sign in my living room that says, this is not the right house? <laughs> yeah. Just, just for anything. Yeah, I, you, I mean, that probably should be, like, I, I mean, I, my favorite thing is you see those doormats that say, come back with a warrant, right? Ooh, like, love that. Yeah, that, that's my favorite, like, little... Yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, any, any little makers out in, in the sphere that are listening out, if you guys can make mats that say that, like, yep. let's get more of those out there. I won't have to go to Walmart. Well, I couldn't go to Walmart and get that anyways. No, probably Because they love the cops. They do stuff. love the cops at Walmart. Oh, they just went to Walmart. Anyways, okay, what else is in the news? On a local COVID! Level, well, uh, we'll get, COVID's still there, yeah, but COVID. on a local level, there was a woman from D.C. Mm. Um, whose son went to D, uh, Duquesne, mm-hmm. and there was, a fishy invest, there was a fishy circumstances around his death. Yes. Um, and she was on a hunger strike that lasted for what seven, Eight, eighteen days. 18 I think days? they they might have uh, they might have resolved it yesterday when okay. the Duquesne finally announced that they're going to agree with the independent investigation. Um, I heard from a couple comrades who were there that the 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 mood is like they're a little bit optimistic, but they also are you know very realistic and they know that they have to keep applying pressure to make sure that the investigation, you know, actually uncovers something, right? Okay. They can't just let Duquesne and the cops say that they're doing an investigation into this thing. Just, just to end the hunger strike. And, 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 yeah, just yeah. to end the hunger strike and then, you know, call all the shots and sort of, like, control the results mm-hmm. of the investigation. And I think everybody is aware of that, so that's encouraging. Okay, okay. All right, all right. So so that's, that's some good news, and I'm, 
Uh, sorry for not getting this woman's name. I will put that in the show notes so that we will give her her proper respect. Yeah. Um, so then COVID. Sorry about the table, folks. This is all new, but the mics are better. So, you know, we're doing small changes. Pick so up. back to COVID. You hear my nasally breathing. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. We all got to breathe. Let's back up. Uh, COVID, I mean, COVID ain't going away. We said that last in the last episode. And, I mean, you're seeing, like... In our county, Allegheny County, like mm-hmm. some of the highest percentage increases in, in active cases as mm-hmm. well as deaths even since even compared to like the beginning of the pandemic, which is the alarming. Pres- the president is just now urging people to wear masks. Mm-hmm. How how many months into this? Like four. And I think it's, you know, I think honestly it's just because COVID is now hitting the, the areas of the country that have his base in them. So like oh. the South, the Southwest, the Midwest, like all of the regions that like from the jump weren't taking it seriously because they were following cues from the right mm-hmm. are now, you know, feeling those those consequences. Dude, I actions. just just this morning on Instagram I was checking stories and I saw this person who's who lives in Pittsburgh. Um they're down in Miami. Mm-hmm. And they're at a restaurant with no mask. And I'm just like, where are you coming back after this? You're coming back to Pittsburgh, aren't yeah. you? Thanks. That's another that's another reason they call them these like the the COVID like kind of tourists or, or coronanizers uh, <laughs> is what is being ter- used in the term in like the in the in the, the global south when Europeans coming from high COVID countries go oh there to get gosh, away from that's it. A stretch, but continue. Right, right. <laughs> it, but like so basically the United States has like no sort of like uniform response to anything because of mm-hmm. the nature of the way like the country is set up and mm-hmm. capitalism plays a big part of this but this is also goes back to like the states being like semi-autonomous things mm-hmm. so they have no like uniform testing right a lot of places aren't doing uniform uh contact tracing and there's literally no restrictions between uh, interstate travel so you can just like oh, get in true, your car yeah. uh, coming from a covid high area and just like drive to some small mountain town to get away with it being a covid carrier and not even realize like this is happening like all over and this is why you're seeing it like sort of like in flame in these low population like rural areas right now fucking hey yeah like there was a thing in colorado i think where they actually formed a task force recently to find uh people coming from texas because texas is experiencing a spike right now do they is it, is it like so are they so close that they people yeah. just like go to texas and oh yeah if you if you live up in the like the panhandle you can just drive north for like three hours four hours and be in southern colorado it? yeah it's not that far away oh, i mean texas is a huge state so it depends on where you're coming from yeah uh but like it's big and like this colorado town is very small and they realize that all these texas tourists are coming from places like dallas and fort worth oh oh you guys live in this hot ass place but you want right. to come up here to get yeah. cool don't live in the fucking and, in south where it's hot yeah and more importantly you don't want to be where like there's high covid outbreaks so you're coming to our small little town to get away from it Shut and up. you know Indirectly or, you know, maybe not directly, who knows what kind of psychopaths are out there bringing COVID to these locations. So, yeah, so we're still fucked. Uh, we're still mm-hmm. spiraling out of control. Uh-huh. And, um, it, you know, it kind of really doesn't seem like, I mean, a lot of people are out there and pissed, but there's still a large amount of the American population that is still unactivated, right? They're not, they're not. They're not participating in any kind of social organizing. They're not participating in any protests. And Mm. they largely are fine with things, you know, as they are. They're just kind of waiting for, like, a storm to pass, right? But when the storm doesn't pass and then it's Christmas time and nobody can go anywhere. Well, they'll be having different conversations with themselves, I'm sure. But on this episode, we're going to talk about why these people are not activating. And what kind of um, subjective and, like, psychological blocks keep people from activating it's it's uh it's 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 very 
easy to just look on, let's say, like Twitter, yeah, and catch catch the vibe yeah, of, well, of what's going on. And, Twitter and is the place for vibes. People talk about how well, people. I don't know me. I'm all. I have such faith in like Gen Z. I'm just like, yo, these guys are gonna kill it, and it's gonna be so fucking great. And then uh, I, I was looking at Jesus Nice's uh, Insta- uh, Twitter podcast god, uh, the podcast Ooh, shout god, out, shout out to the and, you know, basically he was talking about how Jeff Bezos could, you know, tackle so many issues by distributing even just portions of his wealth. And yeah, which uh, he absolutely could. Je- Jeff Bezos could uh, end world hunger every day, but chooses not to do it. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's gross. Yeah. Uh, why is his head not on? Anyways. Yeah. Uh, so I looked in the comments just because I was curious and... Instead of so many people being like, yeah, what the fuck, or whatever, uh, there were so many people like, yo, why are people counting other people's money? Uh, why do people feel the need to, like, you know, say with this man, he earned that money and he can do whatever he wants with it and, and shit yeah. like that. And in my head, I'm just like, yo, these people are talking like they don't want people to count their money. Yeah. Like- and I guarantee none of them have money and they're just operating under the illusion that one day I will have money. Or at least as much money as Jeff Bezos, right? <laughs> you know, they and might, and they I might don't want people to count my shit. Right. So, like, what the fuck's that about? So, uh, you know, as the job of this podcast, right, is to connect things that we observe in real life to, like, Marx's theory because, you know, uh, Marx, has a, Marx has a theory for it. Like, mm-hmm. basically, that's, that's what the guy did. Mm-hmm. So, there's an idea in Marx's theory called false consciousness, right? False consciousness false consciousness okay so basically what this refers to right is like a sort of like mentality and like way of self-identifying right that Mm -hmm. doesn't correctly diagnose uh the systems of oppression that you're part of right Mm -hmm. so in in marx's specific case this is when people do not realize that they're a member of an exploited working class do you want to know what it is the matrix is everywhere it is all around us even now in this very room you can see it when you look out your window or when you turn on your television you can feel it when you go to work when you go to church when you pay your taxes it is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth that you are a slave neo now let's just say on a small level if 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 people understood even just this the the tiniest amount of that um it, it, what does it boil down to like the haves and the have-nots essentially yeah or like yeah Asse- uh, i mean essentially like the the all right to use marxist terms right there's the bourgeoisie which is like the ruling class mm-hmm. right and then there's the proletariat which is the working class right so the bourgeoisie they own what is called the means of production and when i say the means of production we're talking like the factories the industries the institutions right. and like the academies that shape our culture okay. and control what a nation state creates. Okay. Right. And and how do they get control of those? That, how do you become bourgeoisie? Right. So the myth is that you can pull yourself up by your bootstraps and have a good idea mm-hmm. and get there. Right. Mm-hmm. But the reality is you either like from the jump win the birth lottery, like you inherit a bunch of wealth from your family because they were bourgeoisie before you, yeah. which is you know more common than not how rich people kind of perpetuate themselves in this country, right? Okay. They're always working off generational wealth. Sure. 
Uh, or the other option is you're a ruthless capitalist and you exploit the working class to steal their labor and enrich yourself, which is what Jeff Bezos does. Are there any billionaires that we like? Are there any ethical billionaires? Maybe we could have answered that question better in like 2012, <laughs> but I think the tide has turned. Because where, they're showing their asses. Yeah, right they're now. showing their asses. And like there's so many fucking problems presenting and like we need money to fix them. And mm. they're just like, you know, putting their hands in their pockets and whistling just like ha- they don't have Have there been any. people like maybe I, in the beginning of the pandemic, I remember like, uh, like some Chinese billionaires or something like mm. that donating uh, amounts of stuff. Yeah, there, there's always going to be charity and like philanthropy, right? Okay. But, but the problem with charity and philanthropy is that they actually they just kind of like um, address symptoms, right, and not the root of the problem. Mm. So like you can so they sent out masks and stuff like that, but that's not necessarily dealing with. Uh, I'm, I'm just throwing an example. I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you. Finish. Okay. So yeah, they throw out a bunch of masks and shit, right? Which is good because you're giving people like you know a mask and PPE to protect themselves from the coronavirus. But it actually doesn't address the system that is like, you know, uh, failing to get people on health insurance so they can get tested for coronavirus. It doesn't address the system that is like, you know, running them into the ground economically because they can't work. Like, so it's So billionaires like charity, it can be like a Band-Aid, but it's not actually like... Like it's not surgery, right? Yeah, exactly. They don't they don't remove the tumor. They just sort of like treat it a little bit, right? Mm. And then the tumor remains, and then just after a certain amount of time, it just comes back twice as strong. You know, three and then the billionaire gets to say like, "Whoa, look how much I donated. Exactly. What more can I do? Yeah, what more? We're do. I'm in. I'm part of thousands of charities. You don't even know. And it's like that's fine. I'm not saying that charity is a bad thing. Obviously, it's, of course, it's better than nothing. But yeah. it doesn't ever get to the root. Of the problem, okay, right. Mm-hmm. So false consciousness actually is 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 when you kind of like don't have the awareness to see how you're being exploited, and then more importantly, in the context of the United States, it's the lack of awareness that enables you to identify with your fellow citizen because you're part of that same exploited working class group. And so this this ties race and 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 everything that we use to uh, self identify. It really lumps all that shit in together. Yeah. So into... like, so class is like the broadest intersection mm-hmm. of like when they say intersectionality. You know, they talk. They're talking about like the ways in which a person self identifies through various like uh, niche groups yeah. of, of self identity. You know, you can be like your case. You're a black man and a gay man, right? Oh, what else am I? Uh, I'm also an Airbender and uh, <laughs> an artist and and a Gemini. <laughs> and so, a Gemini. Like, yeah. So Ooh. you know, you got that. You know, quadruple threat. Right. But first and foremost, mm-hmm. above all that, you're a member of the working class. Yeah. And that is like the kind of that's the kind of big group that the powers that be do everything they can to keep us from seeing or or connecting with. Sure. They keep well, I mean, we've had a conversation about this before, so I'm I'm just sort of like feeding ideas from that or whatever. But like uh, they feed us this idea that we can grow out of this. They feed us this idea that like, yeah, you too can like, you know no longer be part of the working class just like work hard enough and and uh you'll actually get to where you want to be yeah that like the american dream myth right right right. no it's 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 complete bullshit right so like they and 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 they use false consciousness to one like encourage people to sort of like chase their tails like after that american dream and like Mm -hmm. work their entire lives maybe some people will 
hit the lottery and have like the right idea at the right time and be able to enrich themselves to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. But if you really want to get to like Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates, like those kind of levels, mm -hmm. you have to exploit people. Like there's no, there's no way around it. Like Jeff Bezos needs those factories filled with underpaid workers, mm -hmm. shipping out all of that stuff, piggybacking off the USPS as like their delivery courier system mm -hmm. done. You know, he is exploiting all of these like laborers, right? Because the massive amount of wealth that they create by shipping all these boxes, all these various places in the United States, they get paid an hourly wage for it. Maybe they're given benefits, right? Mm -hmm. But that's not that's not reflective of the total value of, of what they create. Jeez, that doesn't that just makes me think about the fact that with the increase of you know uh, uh, all the Amazon shopping, all the internet shopping, or whatever. Postal workers are probably just getting paid the same amount yep. to slub around like yep. three times the amount of shit. Yep. And now, you know, I, we, we've been hearing like rumblings in the discourse about actually like disbanding the, the postal service in favor of the private sector, which. And is, we don't want that because things like private, things like uh, voting yeah. will be tampered with, like yeah. mail in ballots and shit. Yeah, I mean, you don't want private interest controlling like Anything. any one thing. Like, no. Monopoly Period. is bad. That's like, why fuck we that game. Prisons. Fuck Uncle Pinbags or whatever the fuck oh. his name is. Like, that, and that's, again. Oh my gosh. That's, they're, they're, from, a kid, from a child's yeah. age, they're trying to teach you that capitalism is cool. And, and it's good if you own more property. Mm -hmm. Like, buy up all these little properties. Mm -hmm. Like, you'll be the best if you do. So let's talk, like, a couple of the ways that, like, false consciousness manifests in, like, reality, in, like, our everyday. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, that yeah. we can actually see yeah. and witness, right? So you mentioned the, the comments, and you know, never read the comments, but like in <laughs> case you fucking read the comments, mm -hmm. false consciousness is most commonly expressed as what we, the hip kids, would call bootlicking. Okay. Yeah, I'm sure you've seen that term tossed oh, around. Oh yeah, I love it. I love yeah, it. it's mm -hmm. great. It's mm -hmm. such a good way to identify like a little shithead defending the cops, you know, over his fellow citizens and all that kind of shit. And like that is you know, systemic of false consciousness. It's because a good dig too. It is a great dig. Mm -hmm. it, it would, if I was ever called a bootlicker, it would cut you would, me. To you would have core. to. I'd be like, I would be re-examining re every moment yeah. of my life yep. in that instant. Yeah. Like, what makes you think that I'm a fuck? Yeah. What? I'm yeah. like, I'm not a bootlicker. <laughs> but yeah, that's what these people are. Because basically, if you're on the comment saying that, like, you know, I'm gonna range a whole bunch of heinous shit that yeah. I'm thinking. Like, if you are the type of asshole that gets on there that says like Antoine Rose deserved to be shot in the back just because he was the fucking people, running away. The people right? that uh, are tagging over his portrait downtown, yes. writing thug. Yes. Mm -hmm. Those people and Antoine Rose, right? Mm -hmm. They are actually part of the same exploited working class. Mm -hmm. Now, there's different strata mm -hmm. within that working class. Like, some people have more privilege, especially white, you know, male in in the United States, because that's kind of been the template from the jump, yeah. right? But they're still members of the same exploited working class. They don't own factories, right? They don't own the means of production. They don't create wealth and exploit other people for, for their wealth. They are exploited. Mm -hmm. So if they can't like look at each other right, uh -huh. and see that commonality, uh -huh. they're never going to fight for each other. And the system relies on that to stay intact. Oh, yeah. Even and not, not just jumping off too much or whatever. I just, I just remember growing up. I've heard so many stories from like old white people or even just like middle-aged white dudes whatever talking about running from the cops. Me and my buddies were doing this. We broke this and we stole this car and blah, blah, blah. We ran from the cops and all this kind of shit or whatever. And like you glor you glorify those stories. You're just like, yo, that's fucking tight. So to hear that this scared kid, a person who, you know, his heart and his, his brain and, and everything was just telling him to flee and he just yeah. went with his response. Are you the mean? The fact that... 
he was shot by somebody who was on the job for what, like an hour? Yeah, and that he was shot, you know, with in the back in as the he's back. running away, right? And then like that, all right, that is a whole other like separate issue attached to like white supremacy within the police force, which mm-hmm. we could do, you know, hundreds sure. of episodes on, right. right? But we're talking about the people who hop in the comments mm-hmm. and try to justify what that cop did. Right. What is causing them to think like that? What is causing them? To uh, you know, like identify with the police, right. which is an oppressive apparatus that even controls them, instead of a, a fellow member of the working class who is executed extrajudicially by them. It is all—it's all this like uh, you know they don't pay attention until they come for me. Type right, shit, right, know? and even even in a less heinous example, like think about all the people who get pissed because they have to sit in traffic mm-hmm. for like two hours because protesters might be blocking an intersection. Meanwhile, right? they'll sit in traffic for tra- for, for construction. They'll go to time. work. Yeah. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll sit in traffic every day mm-hmm. from 4.30 to 5 o'clock and just... That's just how it is. It's just how it is. But if, if they have to sit in traffic for two hours or like an hour because people are, are out there like advocating for social justice, mm-hmm. it's somehow like uh, oppression against them. No, fuck that. That's false consciousness. That's not being able to identify with your fellow citizen as a member of the same class and, you know, just fucking antagonizing each other. It's it's also like uh, false consciousness and and, and cognitive dissonance are sort of like in the same family. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. uh, So cognitive dissonance is when you have like sort of like, and this is paraphrasing and, 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 you know, feel free to correct me in the comments or whatever, but like cognitive dissonance is kind of when you hold two opposing ideas in your head at the same time, Hmm. right? Uh, So false consciousness is kind of like that, right? You are a member of the working class, Mm -hmm. but in America, they gaslight you into thinking Uh, that you are, you know, a potential member of the ruling class mm -hmm. that just hasn't gotten there yet. Mm -hmm. And the fact of the matter is the odds of you getting there Mm disproportionately against sure. you. You are not, you're not going to do it. Sure. You know what I mean? Like it takes a certain type of person. And then, you know, statistically speaking, I think there was a study that actually said that most CEOs in the United States are kind of psychopaths. Mm-hmm. So it's a type, it's a certain type of person that Ew. rises to the top of that Ew. kind of shit. You know what I mean? I'm keeping my eye out on people who rise. Seriously. Entrepreneurial types do not be cautious. Buyer beware, man. Cause mm-hmm. if, if they're trying to enrich themselves, First and foremost, mm-hmm. they'll they'll do anything, say anything, and be anyone to get there. That's so gross. I you know I I grew up I don't know my own version of like black male privilege. My dad was mm-hmm. in the military, so we didn't have to worry about housing and things like that. All that shit was already taken care of for me. Sure. Um, uh, I was a spoiled kid. I sort of got what I want all the time. But when I became an an, uh, an adult, and my dad essentially like cut me off, just yeah. because he's like a shitty person. Yeah. Also, maybe he should. Whatever. Um, I've been paycheck to paychecks ever since. Yeah. And the idea of of sort of growing beyond that to me is just like mm, it's impossible. Why would why even bother? How could you How could you even do it? Like, uh, w- if you had a great idea, where are you going to get the money to like you know? St- have a startup company. Like you already need assets in your favor to go to a bank and get them because they have to have something to you know safeguard their risk, right? Yeah. They're not going to loan anything to you uh, if they don't have something to take if you fail. So you kind of need to already be coming from a position of strength, yeah. which is why having generational wealth helps uh, to you know even engage in capitalist enterprise in that kind of like large sort of scale. Yeah, yeah. And I, I have no interest in in, in gro- like. Growth without like bringing using my my 
buy that sort of like wealth to, to spread out and help everybody else along with me. It just doesn't feel right. Right. So, you know, defending the police, uh, being anti-protest because it inconven- inconveniences you personally, mm-hmm. defending the wealthy as if, you know, you're one of them. Uh, all of those ways are like, you know, you can see false consciousness in the comments in that kind of way. But another way that we see it more commonly in the workplace, like where we work day to day, is when coworkers are kind of encouraged to snitch on each other. Mm-hmm. Because because ultimately, your boss at the top doesn't care about you as an individual, and uh, you're supposed to be looking out for each other. Yep. So then, when you start fucking snitching on each other yep. about time theft, yep. about actual theft, theft, yep. what is that doing except for licking your boss's boot and exactly. trying to secure yourself a better position? Right, right. So you're so even in the in the micro sense in the workplace, right? If you're a worker and employee, you're mm-hmm. part of that working class, right? And then you got the boss, which in that just limited sort of tiny environment. He's the bourgeoisie, right? He controls who gets the paychecks. He is technically the Excuse one me, in Brian, charge. It's twenty twenty. She can be she, the oh, boss. That's too. true. There can be girl or, bosses. Or, or I, they? I apologize or, for my internalized any, misogyny. That's right. I'm bad, but yeah, bosses, regardless of who they are, fuck them. Mm-hmm. Fuck the bosses. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you like are you know working with your friends in, in like a, a restaurant environment and like your primary like identification is with your manager as mm-hmm. opposed to the people who are like serving tables busting the dishes and cooking the shit with you mm-hmm. then like something's wrong you know what I mean because you are clearly one of them mm-hmm. and not the other way around so why would you identify with them why would you do their work for them and I'm sure you saw this like coming up a lot uh, online during the initial beginnings of the social unrest right uh, the idea of uh, killing the cop inside your head Oh, no, I didn't hear that, see that so much that it's an old hippie slogan mm-hmm. one of my favorites hippies every now and then Pretty good slogans. <laughs> cool signs, nice buttons, good guys for the most part. Bad smell. Go ahead. Yeah, right. So uh, killing the cop inside your head, right, is kind of like uh, a mean – it's like another way of saying getting out of like false consciousness, mm, right? Because mm-hmm. the cop inside your head – Wait, who put this cop there? I don't want him. Well, we're going to we're gonna get into that. Okay. I'm going to explain that. Uh, and it's uh, – and I'm going to use one of um, the theories from uh, – a fellow Italian, a paisano, if ah. you will, uh, named Antonio Gramsci. Is that is that a, is that offensive if I say a paisano? No, you know I'm giving you the pass. It's, it's not your guys like no, in. No. Yeah, I mean okay. it is, but you you got you got you got to pass, man. You, you go ahead and you can go ahead and use the p word. Thank you, my paisano. Hey, hey. hey. So Antonio Gramsci, right, lived uh, in you know in Italy during uh, through the Great Depression um, and World War One, and was kind of like around during the rise of Mussolini who was a fascist, right? Uh, okay, wait, do we like uh, Mussolini? Like, no. what's the deal? Okay, yeah. No, 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 definitely. Fascist. Tea, tea, fascist. He, had, he did tea with people, right? He did many teas okay. with, with uh, a man named Adolf Hitler. Who, Ooh, who, wait a second. Yeah, wait, fuck oh that no. Guy. Fuck that guy wow. big time. And Mussolini, you know, he was uh, a fascist theorist in his own right. So, like, fascism in Italy didn't look exactly the same as Nazism in, in Germany did. Mm. But they were ideologically linked still. So Antonio Gramsci was the leader of the Italian Communist Party, and uh, Mussolini arrested him in like the 1920s, threw him in jail, and then that's where Antonio Gramsci uh, did his like best kind of like theoretical work from prison. Oh, so this is when he is doing his Zahir. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 If you don't know who Zahir is, you gotta gotta watch Avatar. Third season, Avatar Legend of Korra. It's so good. It's so good. This show has so many ways of just like 
when you when you when you learn how to apply these theories to the show, you're yeah. just like, okay, right. well, what the fuck? So Antonio Gramsci, right, was was interested in answering a question that kind of like most Marxists had been like sort of ignoring prior mm. to. So like Marx is obviously focused on like people's material conditions as sort of like one of the facilitating agents for social change, right? Mm-hmm. If you don't have bread. If you, you can't read, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're, you're a fucking peasant or whatever. You might be more inspired to join a revolution mm-hmm. than if your, your basic needs are taken care of. Mm. But Gramsci also noted that there are plenty of people in the population who were being oppressed, who did not have their basic material needs mm-hmm. uh, covered, or maybe had the bare minimum covered, right? But weren't identifying as proletariat, weren't willing to join social revolutions, weren't willing to organize for a better world. I mean, I'm absolutely looking around at every fucking person in my neighborhood right. who doesn't have like a sign in their window saying Black Lives Matter. I'm just being like, yeah, okay, co- life must be comfortable. Exactly. And like the real, the real fucking like sort of paradox, right, that Gramsci realized is that if everyone in the working class, because we are the majority, mm-hmm. and I mean the vast majority mm-hmm. of people on the planet are mm-hmm. in the working class, if we all united and rise up and once we would win the war in like a day because because statistically or speaking or whatever like if i'm looking on my block probably only one person on that block identifies as a boss yeah of of a company or something like that and everybody else around them works for right and even and when you're talking about the people who actually run the fucking world who Mm -hmm. own the like the most wealth around me you're looking at maybe like 10 20 people in the entire world Stop right it. that's like how disproportionate uh, income inequality they're is. just bodies of meat they're Seriously. just bags of yeah. meat but they have the money to like you know pay for their own security forces and all that kind of shit so grams he wanted to know why people don't just wake up to this what is what is going on right hey i'm going to ask that question again to you right now hey why are you asleep right now yeah why are you asleep right now but so Gramsci started thinking about this. And when you're living in a fucking Italian fascist prison, that's really all you have time to do. Wow, so he wrote he wrote what is now known as the prison notebooks. And this is like a bunch of different observations that he was having. Right. Mm-hmm. But the key one that he observed to explain false consciousness as a phenomenon is the idea of cultural hegemony. Cultural hegemony. This is a big one. Big dude. word. We should probably do the little ding yeah. right here and then record a separate little definition yeah, for it right there. Let me, let me tell you folks, Brian's been real jazzed on this cultural hegemony stuff. It's important. Yeah. And so uh, the fact that it's he's been reiterating it and it's taken me like a week to really you've get been doing, into my head. You've been doing really well. Uh, I, mean. I just want to emphasize the importance of this, this conversation. Right. So go ahead. So... To give you the textbook kind of like definition, right? Mm-hmm. The cultural hegemony is the idea that the dominant ideology, uh, in our case capitalism, uh, the beliefs, explanations, perceptions, values, morals re- of that society reflect those of the ruling class. Ideology justifies the social, political, and economic status quo as a natural, inevitable, perpetual, and maybe even beneficial for everyone uh, rather than a so- artificial social construct that benefits those in power. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So you just said a bunch of words. Just said a bunch of words. If, yep. I, can, if I can distill that yes. in, into a, a lower way, the, the ruling class mm-hmm. gaslights us mm-hmm. into thinking that their values are ours. Mm-hmm. So we identify as potential ruling class instead of a member in, of, the working of the working class. class. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. It, would, it wouldn't make sense for the bosses 
to just be like, remember how much power you guys have? Mm-hmm. You banded together. Exactly. Instead, they're just like, mm, you need us, and yep. you need to come back here tomorrow, yep. or else you won't you gotta, be able you to You gotta fill out that HR room. Meanwhile, you gotta, you gotta fill out that form. You if gotta, all yeah. of us decided to not come in tomorrow, who's making your stuff? Exactly, right? And, even, the, and even if the scabs decided to not be scabs, yeah, super who's not making your super stuff. who's not making your stuff. And so if everyone really decided that at the same time, you could grind things to a halt. With all this unemployment going on, can't we? Isn't this a perfect fucking time right now? Yeah, like fucking if you get fired. Whatever, just like I don't know, I'll apply for some unemployment or whatever. Right. Now nobody, now I'm working for nobody. And how you feel about that? Exactly. How you going to feel? And that's why you're seeing a lot of people in the streets, right? Because they don't literally have that like kind of threat of unemployment or that threat of economic loss because yeah. they're already at a fucking like unemployed and, and economically like vulnerable right mm-hmm. now. So they're more willing to uh, risk it, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so like that's a, a powerful way of keeping people in line. But just to talk about cultural hegemony and like how it actually functions, right? Yeah. I'm going to have to use another big theoretical. Kind of the term. Oh boy! Yeah, so get ready. Hold folks. on, your, hold on, your butts. I hope you're drinking your Red Bulls while you're listening. Ah, uh, yeah, you should be. <laughs> uh, so we're talking about base versus superstructure. Base, super, base. super base, super, super structure, super base treble, <laughs> boom. Uh, no, we're talking about. Uh, so when we say superstructure, right, we're meaning like all of the institutions that sort of shape our political and cultural reality. So like the superstructure is like Hollywood. Mm-hmm. It's Wall Street. It's uh, like, That's, okay. So you said that they're, they're the thing, institutions that shape what? Uh, sort of the political and cultural norms of a society. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. So like they create what is kind of like considered to be the values of a country, mm-hmm. right? Which is the values of ruling class because that's who owns all of these institutions, right? That's who owns Hollywood. That's who owns the big banks. That's right. who owns Walmart. Right. Is the ruling class. Right. So through these institutions, they shape culture. And feed it to the base, which is all of us. We the base is the people who actually makes the stuff, mm-hmm. and then the base internalizes that virgin of culture that mm-hmm. the superstructure feeds them, mm-hmm. and then feeds it back to the superstructure oh. by creating wealth for them to steal. More Ouroboros is popping up. Yeah, yeah, another Ouroboros for sure. Damn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, one of the most common ways that we see this yeah. uh, is in America, especially is through uh, movies and entertainment. Oh, this is a fun topic. This is a fun topic. A lot of this shit. Yeah. 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 So uh, we can talk about a lot of different things because it really, you know, kind of manifests in in every sort of like artistic genre Mm -hmm. that's dominated by a mainstream entity that you can think of, right? So let's just talk about movies. Yep. For example. Um, So let's go with like, let's go with the Marvel movies Mm because they're a huge franchise. Everybody sees them. They're like, you know, before, no. before we even get into that, let's talk, we gotta we gotta we gotta frame this in uh, American superheroes, the fucking ops. Oh yeah, American superheroes are definitely fucking cops. Anime superheroes, communists. That's the facts. Sorry, I didn't make the rules, but that's just how all it the goes. American superheroes want you to follow the rules. Yep. They want you to uh, agree with the cops. Yep. Going around indiscriminately, yep. just forming their own kind of justice. Yep. And, and they're like all that. like one dude with way too much power, right? Mm-hmm. And they, you know, sometimes they team up to fight to fight like some like uh, alien invasion or glooming like environmental disaster. But for yeah. the most part, they're kind of like one on one, duking it out. Especially in the comics, maybe less so in the movies because they have other things to consider in the movies. Okay. But uh, so Marvel, let's let's go with probably. Probably the most uh, radical on on the surface mm-hmm. Marvel movie, mm-hmm. which would be probably be Black, Black Panther, right? Black Panther. So what if I what if I told you, right? <gasps> that what if I told you, <gasps> Neo? Uh, what if I told you that the hero of Black Panther 
could actually be considered Killmonger and not T'Challa. I heard, I heard a lot of that initially when the movie came out, and I sort of wasn't wanting to hear it just because, you know, just because of what we're being fed. Just like, well, ultimately, T'Challa has best in mind for the people and right. stuff like that, so he did the right decisions and totally Killmonger is a bad dude. He kills people, blah, 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 that's it. Right, yeah. So that's that's definitely they want the way they want you to understand it mm-hmm. because to a certain extent, the ruling class want you to operate within the existing framework because they control the existing framework. Mm-hmm. So Killmonger, he was suggesting something that they couldn't control. He was con- suggesting armed revolution mm. for all of the oppressed people across the, the, the world right. using uh, Wakanda's like vibranium and advanced weaponry, right? Like that was his whole plan. So he's basically talking about a worldwide socialist revolution, right? They didn't use those terms in the movies, right? Because mm-hmm. they, they never want to connect mm-hmm. that kind of shit too directly. Mm-hmm. But that's basically what he was a stand-in metaphor for. Okay. okay. So T'Challa is like fighting him, one, to preserve a monarchy. Boo. Boo. We don't like kings. Sorry. Even Wakanda, no kings. Right, right, we don't like right, kings. Right. Uh, but so his solution after winning the battle against Killmonger in the end, right? Mm-hmm. Well, what did he do? He, he, fucking, he fucking built a school, built a community center. Yeah, he built an NGO organization in Oakland and then opened he did up some com- charity work. He did some charity work and then opened up uh, Wakanda's vibranium mines to for capitalism. To further capitalism. <laughs> so like that is the ultimate lesson of, of Black Panther is like if you want to like participate in the world in sort of a meaningful way, you have to do it. You have to play by their you rules. You have to play by the rules. And because that's the rules that they're telling you, they're just like, look, look here, Black Panther. Yeah. If you want, <laughs> yeah. if, you want if you want some space here in America. Yeah, you got to give us that. Yeah, vibranium. so you got like Martin Freeman, Bilbo Baggins, or whatever, hanging out with him the entire time as like the token white guy. But he's a fucking CIA agent. Oh. This dude, like the CIA, is responsible for like coups that have violently overthrown uh, colonial nation governments, like from the jump. You know, they're meanwhile he's he's almost also there as like a babysitter mm-hmm. to all these radical black folk or whatever yep. to just yep. be like, mm, I got to make sure you guys are playing with them. Exactly, just sort of like guiding them into the fucking working within the parameters of that the United States Empire creates. Meanwhile, T'Challa could have fucking, with the technology from Wakanda, at first I was just saying like, oh, instead of just putting a center in California, he could have just like bought California. Bro. He could have built an entire island somewhere and was just like, look, black folks, yeah. anybody wants to come yeah. over here, just come on and do it. If if vibranium right is as valuable as they say mm-hmm. it is, like he could he could also like Jeff Bezos probably ended world hunger by just like using that wealth from the vibranium to apply directly to that. But he doesn't. Meanwhile, he doesn't. meanwhile, like how great would it have been if uh, T'Challa and Killmonger found a, a compromise, right? a common goal together? Right? Because like Killmonger is he has good ideas. He has uh, he has the drive. His mm-hmm. methods mm-hmm. might be a little. Little iffy, yeah, a little messy for people's tastes for right. sure. But we scale that back down, take Wakanda, no longer make it a fucking monarchy, yeah, actually have everybody able to put in input and shit like that. That movie would have been so much fucking better, yeah. The out the ending of that would have been so much fucking right. better. But that movie is made by Disney, mm. one of the biggest mm. companies in the world, one of the richest companies in the world, and very much one of the gatekeepers of America's cultural hegemony. Mm-hmm. So, of course. They're not going to put out a movie as radical on the surface as it may appear that actually advocates for socialist revolution and like collective ownership of the means of production. Even the heroes in that movie are mm-hmm. going to play within the rules of global capital. And that's what T'Challa did. And that's why Damn. Black Panther is not like, you know, a fucking radical film. He's, despite just, he's, he's just another, he's just a black capitalist. Yeah, just black capitalism. Yeah. Which, you know, you know, if we're going with Fred Hampton, not going to save us. 
Oh, speak on that. What do you mean? I mean, Fred Hampton was the leader of the Black Panther Party, like the Black Panthers in the United States, <gasps> that the Black Panther comic book character <gasps> is named after, who, you know, famously said, we're not going to fight fire with fire, we're going to fight fire with water. We're not going to fight capitalism with black capitalism, we're going to fight it with socialism. Right. So, like, that's the idea. And that's just something that uh, Black Panther, the movie, takes and just goes, eh, nah, we're going to fight it with black capitalism. God damn. Yeah. So, that, that's kind of a bummer. Yeah. But... That there's that's a more kind of like overt sort of way because you're you're talking about like heroes and all that kind totally. of like intangible shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, and like you know, obviously there's different rules for that kind of shit. So let's talk about a show that like um, is a little bit more grounded in reality, right? Uh, and that's The Office. Everybody loves The Office. I've personally probably watched that shit maybe like nine times. I mean, I, I can't yeah. speak to everybody. Mm. You probably, I mean, the way you're looking at me mm. leads me to think. I watched I watched the the British Office yeah. two times, the right. American Office once, and Arrested Development about that. Okay, times. so because yeah. I don't want to bore you, we're gonna keep this like real short. Uh, and I'll no, just, I, I assume there's a lot of people out there who love The Office. Oh, probably, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, so The Office, right, is this is this like mockumentary, like takes place in a, in an office space, like the entirety, you know, of the show. Um, and it, you can argue, like, what is the function of a cute little show like that, right? And in terms of, like, reproducing false consciousness, right? Yeah. Uh, it, gives, it gives, it gives the, the every person hope yeah. that, that in their microcosm at work, they yeah. can just, like, they can just make it all work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, that's the interesting thing about The Office is that even though it's kind of, like, a little subversive and it makes fun of, like, sort of, like, the ridiculousness of office life and, like, mm-hmm. talking to HR and, like, mm-hmm. having dumb meetings and all that kind of shit... It, the way that it front and centers the workplace as the central like location for all of these characters, like mm-hmm. important lives, mm-hmm. is a way of normalizing existence within a capitalist system. So like the office says that if you go to work every day, you could potentially meet the love of your life. You could potentially have fun little quirky and adventures now, with Now your that's because we're going to work and spending eight hours yeah. there. I mean the majority of your life is at work. If we if we went to work and spent like four hours there, I doubt we'd be centering so much shit around no, our what, jobs. Who would care? Like if you weren't, you'd be like, oh, I just got to go into the thing for a little bit and I'll yeah. be back at. Who would, who would want to watch that show, right? If if you weren't already in this workspace for like you know eight hours, twelve hours, ten hours, depending on where you work, like mm-hmm. a day or like grand total of like maybe 60, 70, 80, 90 hours a week. That's that's definitely going to become a huge central location to your reality. Uh, and the office embraces that and then normalizes it by making it cute and fun and accessible, like right. we were just talking about. And uh, it definitely enforces this whole, like, shit, you know, soulmate idea or whatever mm-hmm. of, like, you know, you can just find the person who's perfect for you just, like, right around, just right around here. Working in the next cubicle. Jim and It's adorable. It's yeah. Right oh, yeah, touching. But why is the office the location for that? You know what I mean? Like, normally these things happen within, you know, your community. Wouldn't I rather uh, meet the love of my life? Uh, planting flowers or yeah, something like that somewhere, yeah. or, or 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 like working at a, a concert, soup kitchen or some, something. Yeah, like working at a soup anywhere. kitchen, like a, a pool. Like I'm just whatever. trying to think of things that I would replace with if I didn't have to go to work so mm-hmm. much. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. All out of the activities that you could be doing with your community if you weren't required to like sit in a cubicle for the majority of your life, right? So that's kind of like how the office goes, and like that's just like pop culture, and oh. Hip hop, another great example. Love hip hop, love it, oh, yeah. love it. Mm-hmm. But we know, we know that the music 
that gets pushed front and center for hip hop. It's not the conscious shit. It's not the conscious shit. I'm not it's, trying to hear it. Yeah, if I can't shake my ass, exactly. it's whack. Get that atmosphere shit yeah, out of here. No one likes lyrics. You don't even like lyrics. I hate lyrics. Yeah, see? So, like, I mean, not saying that lyrics are indicative to understanding the you know, real world, but. But hip, you can't push a message with exactly. a beat. Exactly. Hip hop, hip hop that front and center's lyrics that talks about, you know, like revolutionary experiences or revolutionary thoughts. Don't it gets buried and they have to do underground like their entire lives. Even there was even like a memo about this uh, from the '90s, like the golden age, where they were like, "All right, we're gonna like push gangster rap to the front and center to sort of like glorify this lifestyle, right?" And that's kind of like getting to the nefarious conspiracies. Right. Also, you know, when you're pushing gangster rap to the front, and then it sort of like gives you like the people who sit in back or whatever can be like, oh, look at this black-on-black crime that's happening everywhere, yeah. and they love it. Okay, they all, all this glorification it. of violence and all that kind of shit, but then the other same memo of that, so that, that like, serves a function to, like, scare white people, definitely. Uh, and then the other function of that is sort of, like, to push this uh, idea that the highest pursuit you can engage in is the pursuit of wealth. Right, because you don't have any, like, the, 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 the highest paid or the, or the most famous rappers aren't necessarily like people who've reached enlightenment no. and, 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 and like they're getting claim and recognition because what they're saying is important. Mm-hmm. It's because they hustle. Hard. They got the most streams. Yeah. They got the fucking yeah. most TikToks. Or they were just, and, you know, they were grinding, like just grinding, like just making money on, you know, stacks and stacks and like all that kind of, all that language. Right. And then like the end result is to get some, some nice shit. Right. And like that's that's like an indicator of um, mm. happiness mm-hmm. somehow. It, mm-hmm. like, and that's another way that like cultural hegemony works, because like, right, the ruling class has all this wealth and they're in control. Right. So because of that position, we see them in that position. So we assume that they're happy. So we internalize that and we that money's going to make you happy. Like money is going even though that is like that goes uh, uh contradictory to like common wisdom like money isn't the source of happiness or money's the root of all evil right hey i mean didn't that notorious fellow say i know this was the puff 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 guy on a notorious song he said um more more money more problems yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah, more money more problems right Mm -hmm. and like that's definitely a reality uh unless you get to like jeff bezos levels and then Probably don't have what are <laughs> many problems. problems at all. Once you're a fucking crazy billionaire. Yeah, once you're a billionaire problems? that has like a private army. Yeah, what are problems? <laughs> I'm sorry, poor person. What's a problem? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so like that's definitely a thing and from pop culture. And then you see it over you see cultural hegemony manifest in like the news media, right? Uh, once and, again, hold on, just just yeah. because I need to break this up. Yep. Cultural hegemony. Define it. Uh, it is a the idea that the values of the ruling class are the dominant ideology of all society. Okay. Yeah. So the people with all the money and people who are at the top they shape should culture. be shaping what's what we are ingesting and in, in, into and all that kind yes. of shit. Yes. Yeah. yeah. They they give us the message and we internalize it. Okay. Right? So you see that even with uh, the way the mainstream media plays out and the, I the know mainstream the lame fake news, fake news. Oh. And like the the fucking like frustrating thing about how annoying that is and all that kind of shit is that like to a certain extent it is true. Like, the news media has an agenda. Like, the Washington Post is owned by Jeff Bezos. I know we're beating up on Jeff Bezos a lot right now, but fuck him. He fucking deserves it. Yeah. Uh, so, like, when you're reading stories of the Washington Post, you have to keep that in mind, right? You have to keep but in even mind the, the who person owns at it. the top still has uh, things that they have to, mm-hmm. because the person above them, even that might even be the government or just like yeah. whoever controls it. Jeff budget. Bezos is not going to let the Washington Post run a story about how corrupt and, like, bad Amazon is. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't make any fucking sense. So, like, 
Fox News also not going to run any kind of story that goes counter to their fucking narrative, right? Mm-hmm. So like the most the most prominent example of like this kind of media bias that I can push to in, in recent times was just sort of like the coverage of Bernie Sanders, right? So Bernie Sanders, definitely not a socialist, right? Despite all, you know, democratic socialist, whatever label that he pushes on, he's just kind of very like the furthest left of a candidate that we have in the American political landscape, which yes. really kind of isn't saying much, but he was better than most. Okay. But he was still identified as a, as a like viable threat, like a real threat to the ruling class, just mm. because he even, he even suggested... Well, the like, fact that they pushed Biden so hard right. shows that. Exactly. Like, if, if, if Bernie Sanders, could, if he didn't have the potential to come in and, and actually, like, I don't know, I'm, I'm not like... On this dude's jock or anything. No, that no nor saying. should anyone be. Right, but if, if he had sort of, quote-unquote, the most potential to come up and shake things up, then why would they want him to win? Because even even on the left, they're just like, Even on the I left. I know, guys. Even like, on the left. We still have... I'm still getting paid out the ass right. for this thing. And, and that's, again, another expression of, like, false consciousness when you're coming from, like, these sort of, like, petite bourgeoisie, which is French for, you know, small, small ruling class, the little ruling class, the Mm. millionaires, not quite the billionaires yet, Mm. right? So like, if you have a high paying, cushy job at MSNBC that you benefit from because of the capitalist system being intact in the way it is, and Bernie Sanders comes along and is threatening to shake up that stability, which might fuck up your ends, you're going to do, you're going to do something about it, right? Can't you just at some point say like, you know what? Damn, I do have enough money. I've been to Mykonos enough times, whatever. Like, yeah. somebody can come ahead you and do this You would fucking think so, right? But they seem to never do it. And then, and then also what happens is the people who have never been to Mykonos are just like, yo, I get that. You yeah, know, socialism right? would be good, but you know, I've still never traveled. So like, I need to do what I need to do to like, so I can do these things too. Honestly. Yeah. I mean, like it's, it's all this idea that you're eventually going to get there. But it's never going to happen because, like, the nature of capitalism is to con- consolidate, right? So, like, we know that, like, Walmart killed Main Street, right? Yeah. Any competition. Amazon, too. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, even, sure. they're even so deadly to their competition that they're threatening to phase out the United States Postal Service. You know what I mean? That's what capitalism does. It consolidates into one. So the more... People like Jeff Bezos and are allowed didn't, to go didn't unchecked. Didn't Wu-Tang say diversify your bonds? Yeah. Diversify your bonds. Yeah, you got, I mean, diversify is, like, obviously one of the best things to do to, like, mitigate the sort of, like, uh, sp- spread of consolidated capitalism, like yeah. Amazon. If you have a lot of competition, maybe things get, I mean, this is all fucking capitalist theory, and it's all bullshit, right? Mm. Because on a long enough fucking timeline, no matter what, the most successful entity from any given industry is going to monopolize. It's in their interest to do it. They need to okay. control the market. So say that in a simpler way. Okay, so if you are, uh, you sell hot dogs, mm-hmm. right? And there's like five other hot dog vendors around you in the immediate area. And you yeah. split the, the crowd that goes to that hot dog place like every day. Yeah. It's in your best interest as a capitalist to, to knock out your competition. So you get more of the hot dog market. But if I just love hot dogs so much, why wouldn't I want all, like, all the other hot Hot dog vendors to get shine too, and just be like, "Yo, man, take some of my hot dog people." Like, because I don't need, I don't need anymore. In in a capitalist mindset, you don't love hot dogs, Jerome. You love the money you make from hot dogs. Oh, but I fucking love glizzy. Yeah, who doesn't love a good glizzy? <laughs> what, why, how did that come about? I what don't the fuck is a glizzy? No, I don't. No, 
know it is a phrase and it's in the lexicon right now and I'm just like I guess this is what it means yeah. and I'll use it Vince Staples was saying it and I'm like I fuck with Vince Staples real heavy so I was like alright I guess Glizzy's is the thing now it's the thing. I'm not sure how I feel about it <laughs> it's kind of weird right. but yeah so you know what I mean like it's, it's in your best interest to knock out all your competition so you can corner that market right. and then when you corner a market and you elevate yourself with like more wealth you kind of insulate yourself from consequence and you insulate yourself from any upstart competition just look at mm. like Facebook just look at Bill Gates and what he did with Microsoft anytime another company emerged with like a better idea what did he do he'd go there and buy them out right and if they can't be bought then they'll fucking subvert them try to steal that shit try to God fucking damn. put an insider into it I mean if you've watched the uh, Silicon Valley right you see this Gross. fucking shit in the plot lines mm. all the time and like that stuff doesn't come from someone's imagination like it you know in a vacuum mm -hmm. it comes because they know that that's part of that workplace environment and once again because they've been sold this idea through cultural hegemony yeah so the idea that uh, these sort of like the, the tech espionage stories from like a show like Silicon Valley are regurgitated to us. It normalizes that kind of like acting mm -hmm. to us in, in a sort of societal, societal way. So like as working class people thinking that this is all normal and fine, mm -hmm. we say, oh yeah, if you're in the tech industry, you just steal from each other all the time and you're a better fucking tech guy if you do it. Mm -hmm. And that's not good, right? No. So like the idea is that we have to uh, sort of like be able to identify the ideology that's being like pushed on pushed us. on us through yeah. these things, and then uh, not fucking internalize it. So it just take. I mean, it take like everything else in the world. It yeah. takes practice and self awareness. And it takes a want on honestly, and 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 a little bit of self sacrifice. Maybe a lot of self sacrifice. Yeah. To I'm, start stay thinking like this, if you've spent your whole life. Uh, just being like on capitalism and just like yes I want to do the most and I want to have the most and I want to get it because I deserve it and blah 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 there's a part of you that has to like let that go yeah you have to like, you have I to want give it up. us to have yeah it not even the most I just want to have it to be able to live right mm -hmm. you if you are like what it means to be a human they always say what is you it? know human you and your soft H's <laughs> continue okay mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> what to, what it is to how do you do a hard H what's a hard H you you, you say uh, human human like, like it's a Y like E-W-E man. okay oh I mean it's cute people say it you're it's in my fine. head now ah, okay. right. well, so what it means to be a human they say <laughs> I'm not on camera I'm just gonna rock with it yeah good good what it means to be a human is like uh, you know compassion for your fellow man right. right that's like that is all I mean from religion and from like all kind of like moral philosophies that's always positioned as like the highest good it's like yeah. compassion for your fellow man that shit, that shit gets pushed back into the into the back of your mind, Dude, yo, potentially so easily. There though. are contingents of the American population that think that that is weakness. It's pussy shit. Yeah, it's yeah. pussy shit. Like if you do that, you are weak. I'm fine. I like so many things that we, in our brains we have to walk back. You know, misogyny yeah. and then yeah, just, like, homophobia and yep. all that kind of stuff. That's another thing that I'm still on the idea that being like soft and vulnerable makes me a fucking spot, like a yeah. chump. Oh, that's so yeah. So one thing I think we should maybe talk about too is like false consciousness. Right? Mm -hmm. Is not uniform. Like it's not. It, it doesn't. It doesn't manifest itself in in the same way. Like the false consciousness on the right is different than the false consciousness oh, on the totally. left. Oh, totally, yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay, good. That, that's an extremely important distinction. And like, uh, so when we're talking about like false consciousness from the right, like mm -hmm. these are the people who Believe are like- that Trump was gonna bring jobs yes. and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, those mm -hmm. are the poor people that worked at that like uh, 
carrier air conditioning factory that Trump, like, on the campaign was like, I'm going to fucking save this place. Mm. I'm going to make sure that no one gets laid off and this factory doesn't get moved and blah, 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 blah. He made it a big, like, talking point, right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of people believed it. Uh One year, maybe one year, maybe one and a half years into his presidency, that factory was closed down, the workers were laid off, and it was moved. And then, and and uh, let's say you did work for that factory, and and what do you think as a Trump supporter when you work for that? So factory? the game from the right is to blame it on minorities, right? That's what? that's whose fault it is when what? you're coming from the right, right? It's it's like uh, Hispanic immigrants are coming here and taking jobs, right? It's uh, it's the idea that like a factory could be shipped overseas to mm-hmm. Indonesia or something like mm-hmm. that and be done and like so fuck them right fuck Indonesians for taking my job, mm-hmm. uh, or it's like yo the amount of people who fucking low it's like like low key racism when people start coming out at, at people with like oh every fucking job's going to Indian right now, yeah shit like I'm definitely looking at you sideways or the fucking racism of thinking like uh I can't get any fucking states benefits because black people are like hogging them all or like soaking them all up which is something that definitely like is thought in white poor white circles mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. and that's a fucking lie all the real questions uh that they should be asking is like why is my employer moving the factory instead of just paying us more why are they sending it to indonesia right where they don't have to like obey the same like fucking worker safety regulations or pay a comparable wage mm-hmm. instead of just giving us those safety regulations and paying us another wage like it wouldn't really affect their bottom line all that much mm. but it's more about like it's more about it's like the fucking principle of the thing mm-hmm. you know like they're not asking like I'm not, this isn't even true that like uh, m- minorities are soaking up social resources for, right. in terms of welfare like the majority of people in red states that are on welfare right. are white people right, right so right. like this idea that it's somehow being all soaked up by this like greedy other is like why are they thinking about it like that instead of going, why doesn't the fucking state just increase the goddamn budget of the welfare? Yo, like, uh, you know, I, I've seen in one of my little hookup chats yes. recently, uh, which, like, why does why did this part of the conversation even enter the hookup chat? Some guy is just in there talking about, well, <laughs> I've never taken a government handout. So yeah. It's just like, wh- why are you proud of that? Why are you proud of that? The government is there to make life, e- like in theory, to make life easier for everybody that participates in the state, right? right? Like if you sign that social contract, you're basically saying that I believe that we can, uh, we can have a better life together than alone. Mm-hmm. Like, be, and when I mean alone, I mean like oh, you're on your own in a fucking cabin in the woods, yeah. like catching rainwater and hunting squirrels. Like, and like, what's the danger of that? A lot of people right now will probably hear that and just be like, oh yeah, cool, I want, I want that. Like, mm-hmm. I want a little tiny house out in the woods. It's like, if you're living in that kind of life, right, you're, that's what it means to be technically like an outlaw. Yeah. When you live an outlaw life, you're outside of the law, yeah. which means nothing protects you. So someone could just find mm. your cabin and fucking kill you yeah. without consequence. Yeah. When you're part of a nation state, when you're part of that social contract, there are consequences if someone fucking kills you. Mm-hmm. Like that's the idea. And like the state is supposed to provide health and security for the people that live in it. Right. The United States has really never been about that, but is so far from that now that, you know, and I think a lot of people are registering this is true. It feels like we're looking at a completely different fucking animal right now like a completely different lived experience in the united states like that's why people are screaming fascism because fascism is encroaching yeah and if we don't do something right if we don't do something to to kind of like 
get rid of false consciousness to raise what they call class consciousness that, that connection to the working class that you are a part of yeah we are never going to have the strength in numbers required to actually push leverage on the state and and force change so we have to take essentially yeah the, the other let's talk about the left because mm-hmm. this is how this false consciousness focuses on the left too mm-hmm. and it's kind of like it's kind of like tricky right and this is going to be my hot take of the episode hot take I mean, scorching fucking fuego, fuego. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna like take a little, take a little coffee sip mm-hmm. and some think about how I'm gonna easy. say this. This, this requires tact. yeah, some little because, element. Uh, part of everyone sucks here means that we're coming for mm-hmm. everybody, and, yeah. and even the people that we like have to unlearn things too. Yeah. So we're gonna talk about like wokeness, mm-hmm. right? So if if cultural hegemony means that we are like taking capitalist kind of virtues and values and making them our own. We can identify, I think, all of us can identify this is true, that having a correct take on the internet and like internet presence mm-hmm. on social media is a form of currency. Oh, yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Influencers. You can Dude, monetize The amount shit. of fucking uh, r- responses I get to a story can totally change the, 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 narr- the narrative of my day. Yes. So, so when we're dealing with people who kind of collect woke points mm-hmm. as a currency, oh, right? Oh, no. Yeah, it happens. Yeah. Like, we see this shit on Twitter, it's, and it's, it's reactionary, but from another direction, okay. right? Because people, when they're trying to, like, work together and build solidarity, especially when you're coming from a uh, body politic, like, that means the people of the country, yeah. uh, as, as disconnected and segregated as the United States, mm-hmm. there's going to be mistakes, right? There's going to be awkward steps, but if people's uh, hearts are in the right place and they yes. want to learn, yes. like... We should just acknowledge that these mistakes are part of the process and mm-hmm. educate each other with empathy mm-hmm. and like compassion for one this, another. This is something that I wanted to bring up, but I also wanted to have like a like a like a third person in a room for whatever. Um, another essentially, episode. Another, another episode, episode or whatever. But um, we can just talk about like the Brianna Taylor uh, meme situation. Yes. The fact that people are just attaching um, uh, the meme that went around was like, oh, these are facts about an armadillo. Yeah. Blah blah blah. Also, yeah. Uh, they haven't. Uh, arrested the people who killed Brianna Talia and I was one of the people that shared that yeah. and I was participating in that that whole sort of thing of just like oh well I'm just gonna slide in at the end of this whatever because people who just want to go back to normal I'm gonna wake you up yeah and that so that is like there's definitely um you know there's definitely a good and bad side to that mm-hmm. right so when you're saying that you're like sort of like tricking people who are already sort of like disengaging and like deactivating into reactivating again right uh yeah you are serving a function you're raising awareness of this issue you're like propagating it and getting out to the world right Mm -hmm. but there are bad actors like on the internet Mm -hmm. just like anywhere else in life Mm -hmm. who who realize that if they reduce this person's existence and the the fucking tragedy that led to her death mm-hmm. to a punchline, mm-hmm. they they will increase their social currency, totally, it, right? Totally. And that's thinking like a capitalist. Mm-hmm. That is that's consolidating. That's consolidating, right? Mm-hmm. So like, so when you have this like super super reactionary woke culture on yep. the left, it make it also makes it hard to build solidarity across the working class yes. because any perceived like microaggression yes. or fucking like uh, insult or mm-hmm. like if they said something uh, slightly problematic years ago right, right? and right. they've grown and evolved from being a person then like you and I both you know we all have our own past fucking Woo! 
demons and like problematic areas when we didn't fucking know better. And if we decided to just basically like excommunicate each other because of those things, like we, one, we wouldn't be making this podcast. Uh, Like, you know, we wouldn't be. uh, Brian, uh, I I laid down, you know, an offense against you and your response was just like, all right, man, don't do that again. Yeah. And then that yeah. was it. It was yeah. years ago. And yeah. we've been, like, our relationship has only grown yeah. stronger since Yeah, like, I don't, I, you know, this idea that, like, you know, people have to be perfect their entire time. Like, it, it creates this, like, uh, internalized tension, right? Where people are so afraid of fucking up, saying mm-hmm. the wrong thing, that mm-hmm. they don't even want to engage at all. Mm-hmm. And that is another way in which uh, the ruling class kind of keeps us separated. Because right now, even 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 in in uh, like like in our world and in the most well-meaning people, you see them sort of using that power. Yeah. Of of just like ah, this person's canceled. Yep. Uh, look at me, perfect over here. Yep. Can't do anything. Listen to me. Follow me. This person, no more. Yep. Yep. And like that that is like you're it's never... only a good enough system until people discover stuff about you. Yeah. And now you yeah. have to participate on the other side. And then and then that. Conditions you to start thinking about like all of the woke points that you've accumulated Correct. as wealth that you can't lose. Mm-hmm. So like maybe that keeps a you know a like a fucking good call out kind of Twitter account right from actually fucking organizing because mm-hmm. you know even organi- organizing the Twitter is just like mm, mm, yeah I have demons too yeah so I got I demons go too to I don't want to get called out mm-hmm. I'm not gonna fucking do this I gotta protect this fucking like social media rep that I've made right uh, all of that kind of shit again thinking like a capitalist you're yeah. protecting your fucking industry and all that kind of stuff so the left is so in America especially is so willing to like just immediately identify problematic areas mm-hmm. in, some, in any kind of social revolution or cross-cause uh, struggle mm-hmm. and just identify something problematic as the justification for never working with them again. Right. And that you're never, ever, ever, ever going to affect real change mm-hmm. if you think like that. For sure. You're never going to do it mm-hmm. because because you, you are just going to keep splintering the group. Oh, yeah. But if the, if the working class, that's the reason why class consciousness is so important because the working class literally encompasses 99% of the fucking planet. Right. And if you keep splitting that into different niche identities, yeah. And never like I'm not saying that you, the, those identity politics are not important. They are. Sure. They explain certain. But it needs it needs to be it needs to be like uh, correction as as punishment. Yes. Or something like that. Yeah. yeah. And right. and those all of those identities going up to the largest one, which is class. You mm-hmm. need that final connection, right? Because it's important to understand how the varying like oppressive apparatuses in the in the system like affect all of those niche identities because they affect them in different ways Boy, those are a lot of okay okay you said you know what i mean like everybody feels oppression in a different way if you're part of a group in the united states that identifies in a specific way you feel oppression in a specific way related to that identity Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that that better yes for sure so if you are only focused on those identities right and you never Mm -hmm. make that that final connection into the broad class identity that we all share, Mm -hmm. those identities can never really work together because they're not the same. Their interests are different, Mm -hmm. right? But if we recognize, if we have that moment of class consciousness where we recognize that the reason we are exploited and oppressed is because of capitalism, Mm -hmm. that's when that final jump to make that class connection can occur because you realize that you have to take down the fucking system that requires oppression to function in order to get rid of the the varying oppressive apparatuses that it uses. We gotta stop playing Monopoly. Yeah, we gotta stop playing Monopoly. 
We're done. Fuck Monopoly. Society has progressed past the point. I don't care if it's like Pokemon Monopoly Monopoly and it's cute. It's gotta go. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. That I, 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 you're, you're on the right track there. But I don't want to tell anybody that they can't play Pokemon Go right now. It's probably a lot of a big stress. I just mean like uh, Hasbro's version of like Monopoly Hmm. Pokemon. uh, Yeah. Harry Potter Monopoly. Yeah. uh, Fuck Monopoly in general. Yeah. Outlaw that game. You know, after the revolution, that game's done. What's no more fun game that we can play and do not say fucking. Access and allies. Or I'm not going to say that. Like, what's a fun game that we can play, like, as from like a young age <laughs> to, to sort of learn how to break down the system? Bro, I honestly can't answer that question because if you think about board games, they're all competitive in nature. There's not really anyone that like has a collaborative sort of like effort to it. I'm sure there, there might be. You know what's fucked we up? could all work on jigsaw puzzles together. That's, no. That sounds like a good <laughs> No, I'm, I'm challenging game makers out there to make a game that uh, teaches people to work together to bring down the system. Yeah. Uh, also, apologies to game makers if that game already exists totally. and we don't know about it. Totally. You know, we're not really up on games. We're, we're adults. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, did you mean to lose that? that yeah. Niche culture. Yeah. So I think to yeah to close. Yeah. You know, fuck. We just lost the game. Just lost the, the board game, game community right. forever. No, Damn. No, only no. on the second episode. Damn. Y'all have fun games. Like anytime that I get to be a spy and stuff like that, I'm instantly just like, yeah, yeah I'll do that. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. I'm at, imagination is cool, but but fuck Monopoly. <laughs> right, so, so I think before we leave, right? Yes. Before we exit this episode, we should talk about. Um, Something to like beware of, like going mm. forward. So, like we we talked about the different ways false consciousness identifies, like or manifests itself on on the right and the left. Yes. Right. So what do, what do we do when we encounter those types of people who don't have false consciousness, who recognize exactly how the system works, and still go fuck yeah, I'm gonna rock with that. Oh, you mean like me? Uh, oh no, Jerome! You know how much like, I love buying shit. I oh love... no 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 no, that's not what I'm talking about. Okay, okay. Yes, so no, then... uh, I was. You got me scared there for a second. Yeah, I thought I, I, thought like, I was gonna have like to walk off stuff. this podcast. Episode two. What a what a we didn't even realize conclusion. we were on the same page. Yeah, holy shit. No, I'm talking about like when you realize that in order to get ahead, mm-hmm. you have to fucking exploit other people, oh, no, and you that. just go and you just go, yeah. I'm no. gonna do it, and yeah, then you start nice. fucking taking advantage of people and start doing it. And there are mm. people that fucking do that shit. Oh, yeah, and those are the people that Marx would have called class traitors. Ooh, I love calling somebody a fucking well, traitor. There you go, man. You got a new, you got a new one to throw around. Uh, yeah. If you see someone willing to sell out their own fucking class for their own benefit, you got a class traitor. That's what that is. Yikes! Yeah. Uh, and those people exist, right? Because they're opportunistic. And I'm not saying that, like, you know. Everybody is a little opportunistic at certain points, mm-hmm. but to fucking be like, yeah, I'm okay with oppressing people if it benefits me, that's fucking opportunistic. You probably see those stand. people. Within every with every little niche group, you're probably able to look oh, around yeah. and be like, oh yeah, it's definitely this mm-hmm. person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's like, yeah, that's, I mean, that's something that'll probably come up in future episodes And what too. do you do when you acknowledge, when you identify a class trader, like, I see this motherfucker over here. I see you, you dog. Know, I mean, like, that's where you get to, like, uh, make an informed decision about who and who you don't organize with. Yep. You give less power to that person. Yep. You just kind of like mitigate the damage they can do because you realize that they are an op. Uh It's like, uh, what's his face? That little dickhead from The Matrix. Remember? A little steak eater? Yeah, a little steak eater. Uh huh. Yeah, uh he sold them. Oh, yeah. 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 I think 
Well, maybe we'll leave his little speech as the closer Gross. to this episode. You know what? And I bet there's so many people out there who, who for, for, for like, since that movie came out, were like quoting that speech Yo, like a boss. Bro, they were just like, seriously, Yo, thinking like that that was like the enlightened mm-hmm. point of view. It's like, yeah, it's all bullshit. I don't care. Right. Yeah, so. Same fight, people cipher. who think like fight, who don't understand what Fight Club's about. Yeah. Got oh, him. man. Hey, that's another episode, too. Got you fucking him. dummies. We're going to be explaining Fight Club to you because everyone apparently missed the point of that movie. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so let's let's close that out with uh, Cipher. Yeah, saying saying uh, wait, what is an example of a class traitor in action? Everybody rewatch the Matrix too, because mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. you know this whole metaphor for this entire episode is a red pill blue pill thing. But like you know, class consciousness is that red pill. You're out of Damn. the fucking Matrix. And how much fun was it in the second movie when they had that rave around? Right, come on, exactly. You so remember sure, that scene. sure, you're in a struggle, you're in a mm-hmm. fight for your life against the system, but you get the fucking party and My like gosh. be with your comrades and shit. The clothes and everything like yeah. that. Yeah, you know what? Good. Zion kind of sounds a lot like Cool World. Cool World is Cool Zion. World. Whoa, whoa, We're going to keep whoa. teasing about Cool World. <laughs> We're going to take you there, people. Damn. All right, let's listen, let's listen to this shithead. All right, Sweet. everybody see you later. See ya. This yeah. is, uh, it's been a good episode. Yeah. I'll see you guys later. Peace. See everyone later. I don't, I didn't mean to genderize that. Bye. Boo! Do we have a deal, Mr. Reagan? You know, I know this steak doesn't exist. I know that when I put it in my mouth, the Matrix is telling my brain that it is juicy and delicious. After nine years, you know what I realize? Ignorance is bliss.